y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Nuga Bell podcast, all about stories of the South straight from the sources. I'm your host, Kate Robertson, and I'm based in the scenic city of Chattanooga, Tennessee. I have a passion for stories, and this is where some of the best ones get told. So join me and my guests as we talk about all things Chattanooga, life in the South, and beyond. Now pour yourself a cup of coffee, a glass of sweet tea, or a nice old-fashioned, and join us. We're so glad you're here. I got so turned off from vodka in college because that everyone just drinks Smirnoff and Pinnacle and Burnett's, God forbid, and it just burns. And this doesn't burn. Well, thank you. Glad to hear that. I'm not going <laughs> to, I won't speak ill of any competitors there, but there's a reason why a lot of people get turned off from various brands of things or types of things <laughs> in college. You have inevitably that one terrible experience and you can't go back to it. Uh, and so that, that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, all right, so on this episode of the Nougabell podcast, I am joined by Adam Zinzer, who works with Grain and Barrel Spirits based out of Nashville. Um, Adam and I met back in the spring when he was in Chattanooga doing tastings and selling for Dixie Vodka. And that is what we are sipping on tonight and what we're going to talk mostly about on this episode. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, I represent or manage all of Tennessee and, and some of Alabama for Grain and Barrel Spirits. So our, our company is based out of Charleston, South Carolina, but like you said, I'm based out of Nashville. And yeah, what you sipped there was our, our pure Dixie Southern Vodka, pure as we call it. So it's the unflavored, the regular straight vodka, uh, six times distilled from American non-GMO corn out of Charleston, South Carolina. That is why it does not burn. Exactly. <laughs> I tell everybody if you're drinking, whatever you're drinking, if you're drinking more of a pure spirit, it's going to have better flavor. It's going to have less alcohol burn. It's going to have better texture. So whatever you're distilled from with regards to vodka, if it's straight corn, straight potato, straight wheat, has more of a purity and tends to have more of a, you know, a creamier texture and mm-hmm. smoother finish. Whereas a lot of vodkas that are just grain neutral spirits, you don't know what the heck's in there or how many times it's distilled. Uh, and it can come across as harsh in a lot of those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your background and how did you get into selling liquor for a living? Sure. Uh, so I've, I've been in the wine and spirits industry for 10 years now. When I graduated from uh, Vanderbilt University in 2008, I was working in media and PR in the NFL. Uh, That's I, cool. It was a lot of fun. I loved it. Uh, I will say my first year at college was one of the best work experiences I've ever had. It just didn't pay any money. Uh, I believe uh, that. A lot of money goes to the players for obvious reasons. But uh, So I worked for the Tennessee Titans for one year. Uh, and then the day after I graduated from Vanderbilt, I moved to Denver and worked for the Denver Broncos for a year. Also a very cool job. It was fun. I loved it. Um, so I did that for a year. And then uh, my then girlfriend turned fiance, now wife. Uh, we got engaged and she was living in South Texas and I was living in Denver. Um, and my year-long gig with the Broncos was up and we decided to move back to Nashville uh, and, and try to figure out something new to do. Mm-hmm. So, Is that where y'all are both from? I'm born and raised in Nashville, one of the few actual local boys from uh, from Middle Tennessee. <laughs> Everybody transplants there, but I'm I'm a local boy. Uh, my wife is originally uh, born born in Dallas, uh, grew up a lot of her life in Texas, and then moved to Tennessee with her family in 1999. Okay, gotcha. So, yeah, we met in Nashville and then went our separate ways uh, for work after college, and then came back together uh, in Nashville and have been there ever since. Gotcha. So I needed a job, and uh, the economy was not in a great place in the spring of 2009. Uh, so I just I needed something to pay the bills, so I went to my favorite liquor store uh, that I shopped at when I was in college. Uh, was then Midtown Wine and Spirits, 
um, now called Midtown Cork Dorks, and went there <laughs> and just, uh, you know, applied for a job, and it turned into a career. Nice. So I ended up being there for about three years. I was the uh, the line and events manager, also managed all their social media and email blasts and whatnot as that sort of took off with the, you know, online social media and online marketing. And then from there, I went to a small boutique wine and liquor distributor uh, called Boondocks that doesn't exist anymore. It was bought up by a bigger company. I was their uh, vice president of sales and marketing for not quite a year. Uh, and then another distributor, Best Brands, hired me away from them. And so I was a territory uh, retail wine uh, sales rep. And then in the spring of 2014, my family and I had the opportunity to purchase a small boutique uh, wine and spirits store in my hometown of Gallatin, Tennessee. Okay. So we bought that, and I ran and managed that for three and a half years. Uh, and then our family has uh, sold off that business. And so in late 2017, I joined Grain and Barrel Spirits uh, to be a supplier rep. So now I've worked at the retail level, at the distributor level, and now at the wholesale supplier level. Awesome. Uh, so I've seen sort of all different sides of the business. Yeah. And uh, now I'm almost two years in with Grain and Barrel, uh, and absolutely loving it. Yep. I travel around the Southeast a lot, doing God's work, selling, exactly. selling very good liquor. <laughs> one of the good things about, uh, you know, I've worked in a bunch of different fields, but one of the great things about this business is no one's generally upset when they see the liquor sales rep. They're nope. usually, usually pretty happy. You're bringing something good, uh, and usually they're they're happy to see you. Yeah. Um, so I work in marketing as well, and you've got your background in that. Um, what's the sales pitch like when you go into a liquor store and say, I have these this, these spirits? So I'll tell the same story that I, I tell other people when they, I mean, I've had that asked. And also when I go into a liquor store, I tell this story. Mm -hmm. um, when I had my liquor store uh, and I was, you know, running it day to day, if somebody came into my store and said they wanted to show me a new vodka, I said, I need a new vodka. Like I need a hole in my head. Um, <laughs> there's way too many brands out there. That's way too crowded of a category. Um, you know, you go into a big liquor store and the vodka set is massive. There's hundreds of brands, tons you've never heard of. The difference though is with a brand like Dixie, uh, we've got a unique southern, you know, regional brand. The quality is there. The pricing makes perfect sense. And then now with our flavors, the natural flavors, how we are partnering with local farmers and producers to get all the ingredients, it's just a different level of quality. And most importantly, when if someone had presented this brand to me when I had my store and showed me the pricing and, and the way it all works, I'd have said, okay, this brand makes a lot of sense. I, I think I can push this and sort of make it my own and, you know, be uh, a unique store that pushes something different than all the big corporate brands you see out there. Yeah, um, especially, and we'll get into this more uh, later when we start tasting these, um, but the peach vodka and the wildflower honey specifically have that very local, unique, like fresh ingredient spin. So we, we've partnered now at every level uh, to get all of our ingredients as locally and sustainably sourced as possible. So the, the first labels that have transitioned to that are the new peach and the wildflower honey. The, the citrus is transitioning to a family or a citrus farm, Likes Family Citrus, down in Florida. Very nice. Uh, the mint, which unfortunately I don't have tonight, we're working with the with the guys at uh, Don and Nelson Gardens in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, oh, that fits. Yes, perfect. <laughs> they, so I'll, I'll dive into them later. Um, and then with the uh, the our black pepper, we're still working on an official partnership, but right now there's just a guy in South Carolina who grows peppers and sells them to us. So it's That's pretty simple. Cool. It's not like a big old farm, but mm -hmm. uh, it is sourced uh, locally sourced peppers from uh, yeah. from Charleston. That is awesome. Um, Why don't you give me give me your thoughts on the, the pure buck? You had one okay. little sip. Let's, yeah. let's start over there. We'll, <laughs> we'll see what you think of it. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. 
I tell everybody when I'm doing a tasting like I was doing last night, you probably don't often just have a sip of straight vodka unless you're a crazy Russian. Um, <laughs> but I tell people, don't don't shoot it. You know, take a sip of it. Because mm -hmm. when you shoot it, that's when it goes straight to the back of your throat. You get the alcohol burn and you shiver. Mm -hmm. If you sip, it opens up your palate, you know, coats your tongue a little bit. You can actually taste, mm -hmm. I don't want to say flavors per se, because a good straight vodka should be pretty much odorless, colorless, and flavorless. But texture, mouthfeel, mm -hmm. uh, is there any, you know, how sweet or dry is it? It's super smooth. So with with vodkas like ours that are distilled from corn, they tend to have a little bit more of that round, creamy mouthfeel, that mm -hmm. smoothness, and a little bit more of a natural sweetness to them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, every if it's a pure potato vodka, that's going to have a different texture and slight flavor to it. Like I mentioned before, if it's a mixed grain, corn has become the most popular, uh, in, at least in the United States. You look at the rise of brands like Tito's and Deep Eddy and us. Um, distilling from corn because also it's naturally gluten-free. Mm -hmm. so there's no risk of cross-contamination. I mean, distillation process kills off gluten anyway, but that's neither here nor there. It's a whole other story I could dive into. <laughs> but if you're using something that's gluten-free to begin with, you don't have to worry about any kind of cross-contamination. Mm -hmm. So it's safe for our gluten-free friends. Exactly. Perfect. I've got a wheat vodka on my shelf over here, and wheat vodka is very interesting. It almost has like a bite to it. I've noticed that with some wheat and also some of the ones that are straight rye, there's a handful of those out there mm -hmm. that have a little bit more of a bite to them. And a lot of the classic Russian ones, whether they be made from potatoes or mixed grain, have a bite, but that's that's the style of vodka that they want. It's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. It's just different. Right. You know, they want to feel that burn. Mm -hmm. uh, the American palates, you know, we've all shifted more towards the corn, slightly sweeter stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and boom, you see, like I said, the rise of Tito's and Deep Eddie and Us. Mm -hmm. And that's the style of vodka that uh, most Americans have shifted to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny, you know, when I was got into this business originally, it's because of my love for wine. And wine is still my first love. Uh, I tell people I sell a lot of vodka to pay for my wine and whiskey habit. <laughs> uh, but in trying our vodkas, as well as every other vodka out there, you know, I've had hundreds of them. You know, there definitely is a quality level. You can tell which ones are cheaply made, which ones are distilled one, two, or three mm -hmm. times versus six times, you know, and really tell the difference how they're distilled. Right. Uh, what's the proof on these? 80 proof. 80 proof. Yep. So we're 80 proof across the board. So 40%. That's a standard for a spirit, right? Typically, for, for vodka especially, you see a handful of bottlings out there that are 90 or 100 proof or, or a little more. But most everyday vodkas are going to be that 80 proof, 40% ABV. Um, and what's unique as we dive into our flavors here is all of our flavors also stay 80 proof. Okay. A lot of brands dilute down to, to 70 or 65 um, but ours stay 80. We think they make better cocktails, don't come across as sweet, mm -hmm. uh, and more purity of flavor. Yeah. All right, I'm going to finish up this little bit. I love the citrus. I have, This is one of my favorites. Well, I brought an extra bottle for you. So you oh, can thank you enjoy. so much. Um, I poured some of this for some friends one night, and I just gave it to them straight. Didn't tell them what it was. I just like poured it and gave it to them. They were like, what is this? And I said, it's citrus vodka. And they're like, that's way too smooth to be vodka. And I was like, oh, but it is. And I showed them the bottle and they were like, well, damn. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to hear. I appreciate yeah. that. The other key to it, of course, is when you serve vodka, whether you're serving it, especially if you're doing critical samples and you try it neat, have it ice cold. So yes. that's why I pulled these had these balls in the freezer for the last several <laughs> hours. When it's ice, when everything is ice cold, you know, you get that better texture, better mm -hmm. flavor. Warm, you get a lot more of the alcohol burn, no matter how good the vodka is. Right. But I say always sample everything. If you're going to sample warm, sample everything warm. Mm -hmm. But ideally, sample everything ice cold. So I just poured some of the citrus here, and we've got a, a fun new partnership with regards to, to the citrus here. Mm -hmm. You said a farm out in Florida? Yep. Or Likes Family Florida. Citrus, yeah. So they're, they're a massive farm, grow fantastic citrus. Uh, so we've partnered with them to get all of our fruit. So what we've got here is uh, lemon, lime, Valencia oranges, and tangerine peel. All in this one? Yep. 
Oh, man. So we just had a chemical analysis done on our vodkas to test sugar levels, carbs, calories, all that kind of stuff. What's amazing is this has got half a gram of sugar per liter. Comparable brands that are citrus flavored are more like five to ten grams per liter. Yeah. Because ours doesn't have any added, you know, sugars. Mm-hmm. There's natural sugar in the vodka and natural sugar in the fruit. And it just comes across as a good, pure, mm-hmm. all-around citrus. And we like to joke, we call it 80-proof Sprite. Uh, mm-hmm. But without the sugar, without the bubbles. Right. Because it's just that you can't quite put your finger on it. It's, it's mm-hmm. lemon, lime, what all else is in there? It's a, it's a blend of all mm-hmm. kinds of citrus. So with the low sugar, it's technically healthy vodka. That's a good way to put it. I like it. I like it. Healthy vodka. I made a cocktail with this shortly after um, you and I met the first time. It was the Dixie, the citrus... Um, charred lemons and rosemary. I remember seeing that post that you did. That's right. And oh man, I need to I need to get a kitchen torch so I can like properly char <laughs> things. But I did it in my cast iron skillet and it was kind of a mess. But it looked okay, so I was okay with that. I thought but, the picture was pretty. Um, I, once I regrow my rosemary, I'm going to make it again. Um, I haven't done it since then because my rosemary plant died. But well, you can always go get a new plant. You know. I'm going to. Are you like mourning the loss of your rosemary plant? A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, you were deeply attached to the rosemary plant? Well, I was doing so well with it, and then it got so hot that I was like, well, I know rosemary's like hearty, but it's like 98 degrees. It needs water, and turns out I overwatered it. Uh, so I'm like... You drowned your rosemary. Yes, I'm a bad plant mother. Yeah, not a green thumb. So, yeah, no, not... My parents have, like, the best green thumbs in our family, and I completely miss that. <laughs> but I'm like, dang it, I'm going to learn, I'm going to get it, and I haven't yet. So, rosemary take two. There we go. What I like about our flavors is they maintain that round, creamy mouth feel throughout. Yeah. You know, the the different flavors don't change the texture of the vodka. Uh, they, they still come across as just pure essence of, of, of mm-hmm. the citrus fruit and the peach and the honey. Uh, you get just pure flavor. Yeah. And it smells, like as soon as you open the bottle, you're just like, you get hit with it. That was one of my favorite things when I first joined the company. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't familiar with Dixie Vodka or with our whiskey brand. Uh, and so I, I talked with uh, the guy who's now my boss and said, hey, I need to know about uh, about your products. Uh, this is before they hired me because I was like, look, I, I've worked for a distributor where I was forced to sell crappy brands, you know. Mm-hmm. I didn't need to push what somebody thought was going to be the next hot new pink Moscato. I, got, I, I didn't want to do that. That's why I got out of the distributor business and had my own liquor store because I could pick and choose the things I wanted to focus on. So I only wanted to work and sell with brands that I believed in that I would drink. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that was key to me and and even thinking about working with the company was trying all the products uh, and making sure that it was something I could put my name behind and Mm -hmm. want to push. And so I was impressed immediately with the citrus. Uh, I mean, granted, straight vodka is, is fantastic, but... I'm not, like I said, I don't, I, vodka wasn't my first level, it was wine. But if I drink vodka, I want to have a good flavor of something that I can appreciate. So for me, Dixie Citrus, you can drink that on the rocks. In the mm-hmm. summertime, it's Dixie Citrus and soda with a wedge of lime. Uh, you can I've just done s- that before, too. Sip on that all summer long. I found at Aldi a couple months ago pineapple soda. And I did like a vodka soda with the citrus and the pineapple, and it was... Money? Yeah. I've discovered it actually pairs really well with uh, sparkling grapefruit. Okay. And so sparkling water with grapefruit. I'm not a huge grapefruit fan, but it I thought they would clash, but they actually are really, really mm-hmm. solid uh, together. And the grapefruit with the peach, which we'll get to in a minute, is amazing. I had a grapefruit peach sparkling water the other day at work, and that was a combo I wasn't expecting to like, but I did. I hey, was like, oh, okay. It surprised me too. I, I was stunned. 
All right, this peach is the one that I'm really looking forward to. So I remember you when you first saw it, you emailed me, you're like, oh my gosh, you have a peach coming out. Yes. Uh, so you haven't had a chance to try it yet, right? I have not. Okay, so. I have smelled it, but I have not tried it. Big, big steps here then. Taking, trying the first uh, sample of the peach. So for the peach, we partnered up with the great dudes down at Lane Southern Orchards uh, in outside of Macon, Georgia. Uh, they're famous for their peach trucks and stuff they do throughout peach season. Um, and we're using their 100% fresh, sweet Georgia peaches to infuse our, our core vodka. Peach has been a really hot flavor in the industry for the past little while. I mean, Crown came out with a peach whiskey that was hugely popular, sold out instantaneously, and then they were out of it for months. And people have been going nuts. Mm -hmm. A few years back, Ciroc peach vodka was the hot thing. Now, uh, on the heels of uh, Crown Royal Peach, Jim Beam released a peach that's been really popular. So it's, it's a flavor that people are hot for. Mm -hmm. um, but we wanted to do something a little different with it, so that's why we partnered up with a local farm uh, to use all 100% fresh, sweet Georgia peaches. Mm -hmm. And also, we didn't want to be as viscous and sweet as those guys are. Uh, nothing against those flavors. We, we wanted to, like with the rest of our flavors, have it just be like you're biting into a fresh peach. Mm -hmm. And it smells literally like I just sliced open a peach. Oh, man, it's just as good as I imagined. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, oh, I can't man. take any credit for it, but, you know, thank you. Oh, my goodness. My basil plant survived, and I've got some basil and some mint out there that, mm, I'm getting ideas now. It's, it's funny, because with regards to the whole pantheon of fruits, peach is not one I ever think about eating or wanting or trying. It's just, it never has. But when I first tried this, when the samples came out, I was like, oh, gosh, they nailed it. Yep. They absolutely nailed the flavor. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find myself, you know, shifting towards it. I still like citrus better personally, but I find myself now I'll do a little half citrus, half peach. Mm -hmm. Or like Ooh. I mentioned before, the peach with LaCroix sparkling grapefruit. You're welcome, LaCroix. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm a LaCroix fan too, so there's their shout out for it, the episode. <laughs> it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the grapefruit and the peach would really clash. Because at least grapefruit and citrus, you're still talking citrus. But I thought that tartness of the grapefruit and the peach... But they meld perfectly, and mm -hmm. it's it's really, really tasty. Well, and the LaCroix grapefruit isn't super tart, right. like I was expecting it would be. So I know that the Dixie Southern, the original, and the citrus, and the black pepper, and the mint are year-round. Are the peach and wildflower honey going to be year-round as well? They, they are gonna... indeed. Yes. So many brands do just, like, seasonal things, and you have to, like, stock up on them, and I was so afraid the peach was going to be a seasonal, but nope. thank you. No, nope. we are going to be year-round on it, and a lot of those seasonal things, it's probably all, a lot of it's probably marketing hype. They could make peppermint vodka all year-round if they wanted to. Talking about a, another brand out there that does a seasonal scratch-and-sniff bottle come the holidays, which is a whole <laughs> other story. But uh, they could make that all year-round if they wanted to. It's mm -hmm. sort of capitalizing on the holiday season yeah. or, you know, trying to, you know, reap a few extra profits here and there. But, hey, mm -hmm. that's capitalism. More power, more power to them. Just but, like uh, pumpkin spice. Exactly, which I think came out about a month ago, so... It was, it was 95 degrees here in Tennessee, and they're selling pumpkin spice, and I want to hang myself. Yep. <laughs> I was having a conversation about pumpkin spice with one of my friends today. It's, it's too soon. Too soon. I think I heard a radio. Uh, I was listening to one of the sports talk radio things, and they were talking about that. I know randomly they get on tangents talking about pumpkin spice stuff, but that Dunkin' Donuts just came out with theirs, and Starbucks is releasing theirs next week, and mm -hmm. it's like... It's 97 degrees, and it's August, and you're releasing pumpkin spice? Come on, the, just wait till October. I know. At, at least wait till after football season starts. I joked last year that I cannot, in good faith, consume anything pumpkin spice until we're in a month that ends in B-E-R. I like it. 
<laughs> Until the leaves start to turn colors. Yep. Which around here may not be till October anyway. Well, that's true. All right, I'm going to finish this and then wildflower. No, no rush. Savor the vodka. You don't have to chug it, you know. Oh, no, I'm not in college anymore. I don't have to shoot Ugh. it. <laughs> Send a shiver down my spine. A little bit. Man, I used to shoot... My my best friend our senior year went through a fireball phase. <laughs> and it was just not, not, not a thing I would ever like to do again in my life. Fireball is a phase that a lot of people get into. And amazingly, some of them stick with it and then some of them don't. But... It's, uh, again, another one of those super hot brains out there. Yep. There's, no, there's no end in sight. Mm-mm. Okay. Wildflower. Yes. So this one probably has the coolest story uh, because it was our first regional partnership. Uh, so we partnered with the Savannah Bee Company down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, and we used their, their wildflower honey to infuse our pure vodka. So it's, you know, made with real honey. Um, and I was fortunate enough to have been at the distillery last summer when we were going through the final blending. Nice. Uh, th deciding, you know, how many milliliters of honey versus vodka. We were in there in the lab with beakers and test tubes and, and trying all <laughs> these different blends. Um, and this was ended up the blend that we all chose. Uh, so Savannah Bee Company makes phenomenal, you know, honey-based products and, and syrups and pure honey and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but they uh, give back to the Bee Cause Project. So... For a lot of people, uh, and if my wife hears this, she'll punch me, but for a lot of people, bees are just these buzzy, annoying things that sting you and hurt you and everybody's scared of, but uh, it's, they're kind of important, you know, to farming and pollinization, and if there's no bees, you don't eat. Um, and so it, the point is, you know, educating people on the importance of bees and what it is to farming, what it is to agriculture. And so the Bee Cause Project, we give back to them, but then also Dixie Vodka, we have uh, built 25 educational hives across the country That's cool. to help further that goal. Uh, the two most recent ones were actually out in Colorado. That's the, the first state west of the Mississippi that we've launched. Um, so we built some in uh, Montezuma and Cortez and uh, did an event back in May launching those. So really cool to, uh, to to give back to that cause and teach people about it and how important it is. Uh, and, of course, use the, the, you know, the essence, the honey, to infuse this vodka. I'm so excited for this. I think this was actually... The way I found out about Dixie was I got targeted with an Instagram ad when y'all launched the Wildflower Honey Vodka. Perfect. Hey, then, when, glad to know it worked. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, this is cool. What is it? And I looked at it and I saw all the other things and I was like, I need this in my life ASAP. Perfect. Thank you. And that's when I started desperately trying to find it around Chattanooga. But it, I think the only ones we had around here at that time were the original and the citrus. And there may have been a few uh, black pepper out there. Yeah. We um, really only got started uh, in Tennessee. I mean, I came on in late 2017, but in October of 2017, you're about to get into the holiday season. It's hard to launch a brand. Mm -hmm. So it really was the first quarter in, in spring of, of last year, 2018, that we started to get out there. And I didn't come to Chattanooga until March of last year. So it, it took a little while to get rolling. Mm -hmm. So I really like to say that we've been pushing 100% in Tennessee for about a year now. Uh, we, even though we just launched West Tennessee, Memphis area earlier this year, but mm -hmm. now we've, we're blanketed the state. This, I just took a sip. This tastes like a spoonful of honey. Oh, you can just smell it too. It's just just, just pure honey. Mm -hmm. and I'll hopefully know bosses hear this and say, oh, you got that wrong. I, I want to say it's something like the equivalent of 40 milliliters of honey per liter of vodka okay. is about what it is. And so it's it's just, you know, a tiny little bit, but enough to give it a, a nice mm -hmm. flavor without being too syrupy sweet. This does have more sugar in it uh, than the other vodkas because there's a higher sugar content in honey, obviously. Mm -hmm. So the, the grams per liter are a little higher. But still, 
It's just pure honey. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I'm getting so many ideas for things I can make with this right now. I can do another corporate partnership shout-out. Um, so the the great people at Tupelo Honey. Yes. Uh, so there's the Chattanooga location. They have locations all over the southeast. Mm -hmm. uh, we are in all of their locations with the honey and what they call their wildflower mule. So it's a Moscow mule made mm -hmm. with this. And what's phenomenal about that is the honey, uh, the honey vodka kind of balances the tartness and bitterness of ginger and lime. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of creates this perfect, slightly sweet, slightly tart cocktail. It's absolutely delicious. I, yeah. That's the, that's the first cocktail thing that I come up with. There's also a great uh, honey lavender tea that one of my colleagues came up with. I mean, honey lemonade, honey tea is sort of an easy southern cocktail to, to create. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, one of my colleagues makes this awesome lavender tea that she puts this in, and it's just Ooh, it's delicious. Bet. I'll have to get you the recipe. Very nice. I would definitely be interested in trying that. That would be good in like a chamomile tea. Good hot toddy. Yeah. Ooh, hot toddy, yeah. That way you don't have to add honey to a hot toddy, just do honey vodka instead. Yep. I made lots of hot toddies this past winter because I got sick. Oh, that's no fun. And then I, no was, fun. then I was like, yeah, but I can make a hot toddy and like... <laughs> Ease off the sleep and forget about my symptoms for a little while. <laughs> well, and I make my hot toddies with herbal tea too. Okay. And then I do that with, or last year I was doing it with like bourbon, honey... Orange and lemon and a cinnamon stick. Hmm. Change it up. Instead of doing bourbon, you can do a vodka. Hot yeah. Hmm. I've heard of people doing rum old-fashions, too. I can't say I've heard that one yet, but, I mean, why not? It's a good rum, but, I mean... Good yeah. spiced rum, I think. No. Speaking of spiced things, uh, the last one you've got is the black pepper. Yes. Now, before we... Even though I don't have the bottle of the mint, I do want to talk about the mint yes. briefly uh, because of our cool partnership with Created that we're transitioning to. Uh, and also because you mentioned hot toddies, it goes great in hot chocolate. But we're Ooh, to that. yes. So our, our mint-infused vodka, we just partnered up with the uh, the awesome dudes at Don and Nelson Gardens in Lexington, Kentucky. And so these guys have a tiny farm, uh, and it's, uh, they provide all the mint to Churchill Downs. So all those mint juleps at the Kentucky Derby, come, it's, their, it's their mint. So we're using that same mint in our mint vodka. Mint juleps are, are my jam. Well, perfect. So we're getting the be we're getting the best mint around for it. Perfect. Uh, so we're going through a transition as we as we get their mint to infuse it. So the label will change on the mint vodka. The flavor profile will change a little bit. Right now, it's much more uh, spearminty uh, mm -hmm. and uh, you know pepperminty. We want to get more to that. When you go to the supermarket and you go to the produce section, you get fresh mint and you sniff it. We want that to be what it's like. Awesome. Um, it makes a phenomenal. I do strawberry mint lemonade with it. Um, that goes over really well. It's pretty in a pitcher with sliced up strawberries, mm -hmm. lemons, and mint, but it's also a nice little refreshing kick to the lemonade. Um, and then uh, any a classic something cocktails, an ice pick, which is sweet tea with mint and with the mint vodka. Uh, and then also, come wintertime, I'll, I'll make homemade on the, on the stove hot chocolate. So the old-fashioned, you know, Hershey's Special Dark Cocoa Mix or cocoa powder, a little vanilla extract, milk, get that nice and hot and extra extra chocolatey and then add in the mint vodka mm -hmm. and I've got one of these thermoses that stays hot for you know 74 hours but crazy <laughs> it is I'll pour that and it, the mint just flies because it's it tastes like an adult peppermint patty or an Ooh, adult yummy. thin mint mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's delicious and my wife loves when I make that because then I come home after a night of tastings and I've got this carafe still two-thirds full yep. <laughs> and she's like pour me a cup of that please like, you got it I'll join you yum. I, yeah, I, that's how I do my hot chocolate, too. Ooh, so good. I'm going to have to try it with mint. When it's re-released, I'll yes, look for a bottle. I'll hook you um, up. Ooh, man. Now, now, you, now I just want it to be Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it's... We went from pumpkin spice to Christmas ready, and yep. it's still August. Slow down. Slow down. <laughs> I mean, like, Lowe's probably already has Christmas stuff out somewhere, so... I'm sure you're right. I was walking through, uh, I don't know if y'all have an at-home over here. Mm -hmm. I was walking through there the other day, and they had the seasonal section. A lot of it was empty, but then they already started having some trees... And they had the signs up where they were, you know, putting this is where this Christmas tree is going to go. And these, mm -hmm. or, you know, these uh, uh, decorations and ornaments. I'm just like, gosh, come on. It's too early. I know. My friend texted me today and was like, I bought myself a bag of candy corn. And I was like, but it's August. Candy corn. <laughs> First off, who eats candy corn anymore? You're not seven years old anymore. Really? Candy corn. That was the worst at Halloween. <laughs> it oh. was never one of my favorites. But I was talking about, I want to do like a better than Starbucks PSL. <laughs> And just, like, throw it out there and be like, suck on that, Starbucks. Um, and I was telling her about candy that. Candy corn latte. And she was like, I don't like pumpkin. And I was like, well, candy corn's weird, so we're even. Exactly. <laughs> what is candy corn? Where's the, I haven't had it in so long. I can I can still kind of remember what it tastes like. And it just, yeah, it's not for me. No, no give, give me Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, always. And the Snickers and... Butterfingers. Yes. Lots of chocolate and lots of peanut butter, please. I can't remember the last time I dressed up for Halloween. I don't even think I did it once in college. I think it's been that long. I probably was 12 years old or something like that the last time. Just I probably was something lame and easy just so I can get candy. But. I know for a fact I dressed up my sophomore year of college because my group of friends wanted to do Harry Potter oh, all together. That, that, I would have done that if Harry Potter had been big when I was in college. Yeah. Um, it was just getting there. I So I didn't read Harry Potter until I was in college. I like stayed away from it. Not because my parents were like, oh, it's witchcraft, it's bad, but I just had no, <laughs> I just had no interest in it. And then my group of friends, like my fresh, the end of my freshman year, they were like, you realize you are Hermione Granger, right? And I was like, I don't know, I've never really read it, so I don't know. And they were like, are you kidding me? I don't know you well enough yet, but that's, an, I'm gonna have to think about that for a little bit now. So they were like, Kate, you have to read it and you will get it. Well, the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I got mono. Ouch. So I was home in bed for an extended period of time. What and was I his was... name? Hmm? What was his name? Everybody knows you get mono when you make out with somebody who was sick. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. Who was well, he? Who was, who was the guy? I don't think it was one specific person, but it was just... So it was multiple? Are we going to go there? <laughs> Goodness gracious. I need more vodka. <laughs> Whew. I just had like a group of friends that we all just like shared drinks with each other all the time. Blame it on the drinks, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah usually. Well, hey, I, I can I can self-deprecate. I got mono. I went to an all-boys high school and I got mono. Uh, <laughs> so uh, imagine the jokes that I got from uh, my, my buddies back home. Oh no! We all stayed up late night playing poker, and we're all eating and and you know yep. eating pizza and passing soft drinks around and mm -hmm. playing poker. And a buddy had had mono and got over it, and then two weeks later I had it. And I was like, you. Gotta be kidding me. And I got made fun of just ridiculously. I was like, oh, no. Ours used to be... Um, my girlfriend was like, what are you doing? Ours was apples to apples that we always used to... The, oh, the game? Yeah. It's a fun game. Was that we used to hang out and play that like every Friday night or whatever. But anyway, <laughs> I, I was homesick that summer with Mono. And since I was in bed like all the time, I was like, you know what? Might as well just read Harry Potter. And I was like four or five chapters into the Sorcerer's Stone and I was like... <laughs> totally Hermione. Um, so I blew through like the first four books over the summer. And then I was an English major in college. So I was reading like all the time. And of course, most of the time it was stuff that I didn't really enjoy. So it took me a little bit longer to finish the series. But once I did, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm totally Hermione. 
But anyway, Halloween of my sophomore year, we all did Harry Potter as a group, and I was Hermione. Naturally. And I'll pull up a picture when we're done recording, but I was an awesome Hermione. I hope you blew up your hair like crazy and make it all frizzy like they say she is in the books, you know? No, so my hair will not hold a curl for anything. Uh, okay. It's, I either have to flat iron it or blow dry it straight, and it doesn't do anything. But I had the white collared shirt, the gray sweater, the black skirt, the knee socks. I bought a wand off Amazon. Um, I crocheted myself a Gryffindor scarf. Admit it, you've got one of those wands officially bought from Warner Brothers on a, in a frame in, in one of these rooms in here, right? think so (laughs) i think so i might still have the wand um and then my dad just happened to have the perfect gryffindor tie nice and that was the last time i dressed i actually like legit dressed up for halloween i like it i've got like cat ears and like mouse ears or whatever from like work group things that we've done that i'll throw on like if halloween falls on like a weekday and i'm at work i'll throw the cat ears on but other than that if you can do it, own it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to finish this now. Yeah, no and then rush. black pepper. The pepper, I mean, it's made for Bloody Marys. And I'll, I'll do the whole black pepper spiel here. But okay. by itself, I always tell people, it, it's it's not intensely hot by any means, but it's not something you're typically going to say, let me have a shot of that, let me have a sip of it, let me make a martini with it. You, know, you could do a heck of a good spicy, dirty martini. Ooh. But anyways, our, our black pepper vodka, we called it black pepper, but that's a little simplistic. It's a three-week process in which we infuse our pure Dixie Southern with whole serrano peppers and Szechuan black peppercorns. That'll do it. Locally sourced from Charleston, South Carolina. Basically, imagine two giant 500-gallon vats of the pure vodka, and one, we put what amounts to a giant tea bag full of serranos and let it just soak and macerate for a couple of weeks. And then in the other vat, we do the whole Szechuan black peppercorns, let them macerate, and then blend, filter, bottle. Um, And what it results in is this delicious, slightly spicy herbal, green, peppery vodka that is designed just for making the perfect Bloody Mary. Okay. It's kind of what has put us on the map in, in the restaurant world. I believe that. Had the perfect little clink and pop of the cork <laughs> there. Um, we've, we're really proud of this one because we've won a number of cool accolades for it in the past couple years. It's, it's always been well known for making Bloody Marys, but uh, last year in 2018 at the uh, the World Ultimate Spirits Challenge, we took 95 points, best flavored vodka in the world. Oh, wow. Congrats. Um, and I always tell people, this is not one of those fake trade events that, you know, you write someone a check for $40,000 and say, give us a fake score. These are these are it's a real event where they mm-hmm. take weeks to sample products. So that, that kind of solidifies it as this is the flavored vodka. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, it's designed for Bloody Marys. Not everybody drinks Bloody Marys, but there's no denying the flavor, how it's, you know, how it's made, the quality of it. And even if you don't drink Bloody Marys, it's... Oh, I get it. I can totally see why. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if I said this uh, on air or not. I know I told you at some point, but I'm not a huge Bloody Mary person, so we shall see. <laughs> I always tell people, you know, get a good sniff of it, even if you don't want to try it and you don't like Bloody Marys, mm-hmm. because people will smell it and say bell pepper, jalapeno, whatever. If you take a, the skin of a bell pepper or a jalapeno or a serrano and you give them a sniff, you're going to get this sort of... The similar green herbaceousness, mm-hmm. and you get that right off the nose of this. It is Serrano, and it adds a nice slight spice kick to it uh, without being overly hot by any means. All right, let's see. It definitely, yeah, I definitely get that, like, raw veggie smell. It's got, like, the heat on the back of it, but it's not, like, I just ate a hot, a hot wing heat. It's right. the, like, black pepper heat. 
I always get a little bit of a little bit of heat right up front on the tip of the tongue, and then mm -hmm. on the back end of the palate, I get a little bit of that spiciness. Mm -hmm. And then I say, I'm not, now when I say spice, separately from that, I mean spice flavor, not heat flavor, from the Szechuan black peppercorns. Mm -hmm. um, and by itself, I mean it's a little funky, and that, nothing wrong with that. Right. It makes a phenomenal Moscow Mule, believe it or Ooh, not. Ooh, so I can see that. My boss uh, turned me onto this. You ask them to make a Moscow Mule with the pepper. And then slice up and muddle some jalapenos and add extra lime. Oh, the I The tartness, the sweetness of the lime balances with the uh, the heat from the pepper, mm -hmm. and then the whole jalapenos. It is. It, I mean, if you like spicy drinks, it is fantastic. I could see that. Also, a you know a, a spicy martini. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who is very into martinis, bloody marys, just mixology in general. But it's the very first time I ever heard about this black pepper vodka. I was like, George needs this in his life. So we're in, I mentioned before, you know, that's kind of what got us into the restaurant world, but uh, to name some local places, we're in every Tupelo Honey with this as well. That's how we got started with uh, our Bloody Marys, or with our pepper with them, was uh, in their Bloody Marys at Tupelo Honey. Um, we are in every Edley's Barbecue location in nice. their Bloody Marys. Uh, and then, uh, very prestigiously, uh, the famous Blackberry Farm up in Wallen, Tennessee, the very nice. you know Southern Resort, uh, we're in their Bloody Mary as well uh, mm -hmm. with the black pepper. So it's sort of been... What has, what has gotten us most well-known in places that are known for their Bloody Marys. I mean, you can't go to a bar in Charleston, South Carolina, and order a Bloody Mary and it not be Dixie. It's going to be the Dixie mm -hmm. Black Pepper. That is awesome. Maggie Cat's getting some sniffs. Oh, she sniffs the honey and she wants some of that. <laughs> and she wants some peaches. She likes the idea of human food and human drinks, but she likes carbs. So every time I try to give her, like, a <laughs> crust of bread or something, she, like, sniffs it, licks it, bats it around a few times, and then just runs away. Well, if my pup were still with us, she would be wanting sips. I can promise you that. <laughs> she, her nickname was the Booze Hound. So uh, when I had my liquor store, she went to work with me every day, and she would sample anything. She oh loved gosh. everything. We discovered that the only thing she didn't like, I'm probably going to get yelled at by PETA for this, she doesn't like gin, uh, didn't like gin or scotch, but she loved everything else. She was a, she was a bourbon girl, especially. Interesting. So, yeah. You said she was a husky? Yep. Aww, yeah, she was. She was my baby girl. We figured out that my boyfriend's dog likes beer. That's a good dog, yeah. Yeah. Um, we were out hiking one day, and we had taken, like, a little picnic or something. Oh, it was for his birthday, so we had each taken a beer, and one of ours got knocked over, and the dog just ran over and started, like, lapping it up. And we were like, <laughs> okay, good to know. That's how I knew that... Uh, that my girl Aria was that was the right pup for me because mm -hmm. uh, early on she was she was pretty young and I was at home sitting on the couch and I had a glass of bourbon next to me and she comes up and sniffs at it and starts like really staring at it and so I dip my finger into it and hold it up to her and she you know she tried, licked it off my finger and she was like she wanted more I was like oh yeah you're my dog <laughs> you're mine we're meant to be I totally see what you mean about this being right for a Bloody Mary or for mixing and not for drinking straight yeah. I mean, again, it's it's a, unless you're someone who's a fiend for spicy things, mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a few customers that literally I'll, I'll do a, a tasting at their store, and the manager will be like, "Hey, man, can you leave me a sample of that uh, that pepper," and they'll <laughs> just want to sip on it because they love spicy things. And people, that's that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but generally, you're right. Yeah, it's designed for a Bloody Mary or mm -hmm. a spicy martini, a spicy mule, etc. It's got a totally unique flavor profile, uh, and it's it's one of the flavors that sort of put us on the map. There's nothing else like it out there. Uh, there's, there's really not. There's other hot vodkas out there. Like there's one, I can't remember the brand, that has like a habanero soaking in it. The problem with those is all you taste is the heat. Yep. It's too hot. You can't really apply it to very much. Right. Whereas I think this is, you know, very applicable to a lot of things. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I bet that would probably be good in like a marinade of some sort too. That's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. 
We've got uh, a few accounts that have done like you know Bloody Mary shooters with like oysters or shrimp with them. Oh, I can uh, see that. I mean, you do a Bloody Mary, right? But then you do a Bloody Mary shooter. So it's a shot glass with a little mini Bloody Mary and then a raw oyster in it or a shrimp in it. Okay. Uh, and it makes just a fun, quick shot. Like a shrimp cocktail type thing. Yeah, exactly. I could see that. Does my notebook smell that good, kitty cat? She smells everything. Maggie. Maggie's short for a magnolia, by the way. Oh, very cute. My favorite, very southern. My favorite flower. I had the name picked out long before I got her. Because I knew I wanted my pets to be very southern names. So my ultimate goal in life is to have a dog and a cat and one of them to be Mason and one of them to be Dixie from Mason <laughs> Dixon. Fair enough. Well, yeah, I like the Dixie name, of course. I mean, mm -hmm. shameless plug there. <laughs> um, I lived in Pennsylvania when I was in high school and I just, I used to count the days until I just didn't have to be there anymore. Are you from up there originally? You're no. from, so you're from down here originally? I'm from North Carolina. Okay. So you're Southern. Yeah. Yeah. From North Carolina, grew up in Atlanta, moved back and forth between Atlanta and Philadelphia three times. Oh, wow. I have to count. Um, and then I went to college in Virginia, grad school in North Carolina, and then I moved to Chattanooga after I finished school. Where'd you go to college in Virginia? Virginia Tech. Okay. Good for you. I'm a Hokie. Heck yeah. And then I I'm, I'm a little, I'm not biased against you by any means, but I went to a small all, all boys college prep school. I went to Woodbury Forest, if you're familiar with that. It's mm -hmm. in, it's outside of Charlottesville. Okay. Uh, it's a, a great feeder school for VT. One of my roommates went to VT uh, mm -hmm. for UVA, for UNC, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm very familiar. It's a, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful area. Um, I'm the first person on my mom's side of the family to not go to UNC. <laughs> Most of the people on my mom's side of the family who didn't go to college went to UNC. Both my parents went to UNC. That's where they met. And then I got my master's at Elon in okay. North Carolina. Oh, yeah. Very and familiar. I, and then I moved here. So. so what made you want to come to Chattanooga or to Tennessee for that matter? My I mean, job. Just, okay. I work for a marketing agency. Cool. Um, been at the same job since day one. Well, good for you. So, That's awesome. Uh, I always thought I would go back to Atlanta. And then you realized, oh, that traffic sucks. Exactly. And uh, traffic's getting bad enough as it is in Chattanooga, as I've discovered in the last few days. Uh, just driving. I mean, I've worked down here a number of times, but mm -hmm. I'm here for five nights this week. So right. I've discovered, wow. I mean, granted, rush hour ends a lot earlier, and it's not as bad as Nashville's mm -hmm. become. But I was stunned. Man, this is real. This is legit rush hour yeah. down here. And it's not big enough for it yet. The mm -hmm. highways aren't, I mean, not for the, for the, the influx of people. Mm -hmm. So it, it can be a pain, and I know Atlanta's a billion times worse. Oh, my so. gosh. Um, I still have a bunch of friends down in Atlanta, and when I first moved here in 2015, the first time I went to go visit my friends down in Atlanta, I've been living here for, like, three or four months, drove down there and was like, yeah, I think I could still see myself, like, moving down here after a couple years. Got stuck in traffic on 285 and was like, nope. <laughs> I, nope, I don't need this because I don't have to deal with this in Chattanooga, and... People are nicer here, so... And you're still close enough. It's a real quick hour and a half mm -hmm. to get down there if you want to go visit somebody. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Chattanooga is a nice... It's a. It's not a big city, but it's not a small town either. It's a yeah. nice in-between. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's a growing city with... I think they've done a great job in a lot of the downtown, bringing mm -hmm. up new restaurants and bars and a fun scene. Yeah. Uh, and then plenty of nice little suburb areas as well. Mm -hmm. You made an interesting point earlier when you said you were from Nashville and you're one of the very few like natives who actually lives there. Mm -hmm. I think you were the first person I've met <laughs> who grew up there and still lives in the area. Yeah, I've bounced around a little bit. I mean, I've lived in Virginia. I've lived in Las Vegas. I've lived in Denver, uh, but ended up coming back home just because I'm not going to say something as cheesy as there's no place like home, but... 
there's no place like the South. I can say yeah, that. Yeah, that's so, for sure. Uh, you know, people are nicer, more laid back. But I tell you, Nashville. Oh, I, I don't. I, I, mean, I say I live in Nashville. I live in Franklin, south of Nashville, about you know 20 minutes south. If I'm if I have to be in downtown Nashville, I only go between the hours of 10 and 2. I because believe Because between 10 and 2, you can get around. But rush hour goes from about 6 in the morning till 9.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then it starts at 2.30 and doesn't end until 6.30 or 7. Good Lord. And it's the highways aren't big enough yet. They're finally expanding one of the little arteries around town from two lanes on either side to four on either side. It's just it's too many people. Mm-hmm. And for the last few years, it's been one of the hottest cities to move to with, you know, 100 people moving there a day or whatever stupid number it is. Good Lord. And so the real estate market's hot. It's too crowded. Everybody moving there is coming from... New York, New Jersey, California, Chicago, everywhere. And they all drive differently. So everyone drives like a jerk. Uh, they all drive, have their different, you know, ways they drove back home. And some are honking and cursing, and some are just speeding and not cha- not using signals when they change lanes. Uh, you just described my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> which one of those? Or all of it combined? I don't know. All of it combined. So he, he's from all over the place. Uh, he's, yeah, he's a Yankee. Uh, that's, yeah. Yep. So I, was, I had a lot of fun last year uh, when my Titans... You know, played the Eagles at home. Titans end up coming back in the, in the second half and then going into overtime and winning. I remember that. And then later in the year, beating the Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at home. So both those fan bases travel like crazy, the Eagles and the Patriots. And the stadium was probably 60-40 Titans to Eagles and same for the Patriots. A ton of Patriots fans, a ton of Eagles fans. And I had so much fun just saying, thanks for visiting. Thanks for your tax dollars. Now get the hell back home. Yep. Uh, get out of my town. So oh. go back home and, and wallow in your grief for losing to my subpar team. Oh my gosh. I Yes, 1,000%. My college boy, and I, I don't mean to talk shit. I'm sure he's still, <laughs> he's not a bad person, but he was from New Jersey and he was just determined to be a Southern boy. It's not possible. No, it's not. So he moved to Nashville after college, got a pretty good job. Um, and I remember I was already living here when he got his job in Nashville and I was going up there to visit him. And every time I was just like, it, this feels like Atlanta with the traffic. Yeah. It's getting, it's getting bad. And he lived at that time. I mean, this was four years ago, probably four and a half years ago. Anyway, it's been, it's been a minute. Um, he lived on the North side of the city. So I had to go through Nashville to get to where he was living. No easy way to get there. Man. Ugh. I'll save the rest of what I have to say for off air. But. Just curious, do you remember what so specifically what part of North Nashville it was? Was it Madison? Was it Goodlettsville? It was Madison. Yeah, he was lucky he wasn't shot. Most likely, honestly. Yeah. So you know, he worked in Goodlettsville but lived in Madison. That that's not, yeah. He's you know. But I mean, they were like five minutes down the road from each other. No, they're not very was, far. But. You've got Nashville, East Nashville, Goodlettsville, Matt or Madison, Goodlettsville, Rivergate, Hendersonville, etc. But mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, let's just say that that's where the the, the rookie cops go to to get you know thrown into yeah. the into the into the mix uh, mm-hmm. is uh, is Madison. So I mean, he told me when he moved there, like I get street cred based on my zip code. Exactly. Anyway, all the Nashville <laughs> talk. Um, so Grain and Barrel has Dixie vodka, and they also have a whiskey. We do. Uh, I'll take a second here to pull the bottles out. All right. I've got two of them with us. Our two offerings that are currently available. Okay, so you've got two bottles of chicken cock bourbon whiskey, yes, or indeed. one of them straight bourbon whiskey, the other one... Beer Barrel Select. Okay, so tell me about this whiskey. Okay, so I always tell people it's not just a funny name, it's called the Chicken Cock Whiskey Company. Um, yes, I said that, Chicken Cock Whiskey Company. 
Um, it was founded in 1856 in okay. Paris, Kentucky, which is in the heart of Bourbon County. It was actually the county seat. So an old, original bourbon brand founded in 1856, pre-Civil War. You know, back then, it was just just a rooster. So they had all kinds of funny, funky names for different brands back in the day. And this was just, it became known as the famous old brand, but uh, a really popular old, original bourbon brand that died off after pro, well after World War II, but after Prohibition. Um, and the distillery burnt down in either 1951 or 1961. I'm blanking which year it was at the moment, but it uh, hadn't been made in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Our company discovered their history and their heritage, bought the rights to the brand, and relaunched it just a few years ago. That's awesome. So one of the cool stories behind this is that uh, during Prohibition, it actually is when it became most became most famous and known as the famous old brand. Uh, and if I had my iPad with me, I could show you all these slides. But uh, in, in researching the brand, our company discovered that they had this awesome, awesome story and that it was famously smuggled into some of the most famous speakeasies during Prohibition that there were. Okay. Most notably, the famous Cotton Club up in Harlem. This was the top shelf high-end house whiskey that they had. That's awesome. The waiter would go into the back and pull out this innocuous sealed tin can, come and present it to the table, pop the top in the can and pull out the bottle of chicken cock, and that was the house bourbon that was back then costing anywhere from $7 to $14 a pint. Oh, and this wow. is during Prohibition. So if you extrapolate that, we're talking hundreds of dollars in today's, Good Lord. today's numbers. Uh, Drinking fancy. Exactly. And uh, in, in doing all this research about the brand, we discovered that a lot of the great musicians at the time actually knew of this brand, talked about it, drank it. Probably most notably is Duke Ellington. Uh, oh, that's cool. Wrote and sang about chicken cock whiskey in a tin can. And so we've got quotes from him uh, and quotes in a book talking about him and history of that time and about how this was the whiskey at, at the Cotton Club. That's cool. Uh, it was just too good of a story to let die. And so our, our company, like I said, uh, you know, got the rights to it. We just recently made the full transition back to Kentucky, uh, where it belongs. And what I have before you today are our new Kentucky sta- uh, our new standard Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This just got bottled two weeks ago. Ooh, okay. Um, and will be available in the next couple weeks at retail. And then also our Beer Barrel Select, which is Kentucky bourbon finished in barrels that previously held Kentucky beer. Oh, very nice. So a couple of cool, unique offerings here. So I'll yes. pour the, uh, the straight bourbon And the bottles are beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned that. They actually, they're replica packages of old bottles that the brand was initially you know, packaged in okay. back in the Prohibition era. At the Lexington Visitor Center, I think it's the Lexington Visitor Center, there's an original package of this one here, which we call the shotgun or shatter bottle, mm-hmm. uh, on display. And so literally we took a picture of it, sent it to our glass company, said recreate that. And so we've recreated original packaging that the brand used to be sold in way back in the day. That's awesome. Want to have, sort of harken back to that Prohibition era feel. Awesome. So a cool, unique story that, you know, there's a lot of brands out there that have great stories like mm-hmm. this that are coming back to life. And this is another one that we feel just has a super cool story. And yeah, it's a funny name that catches people's eyes and they, <laughs> they might laugh at it, but then they try the bourbon and say, all right, that's legit. Yeah. I'll have pictures of all these things on the Nuga Bell podcast on Instagram. So all y'all can see what we're talking about here. So this one here is, like I said, the new Kentucky Straight Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Our first true official return to Kentucky, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. So for this, uh, we did source the bourbon for this. We have our own barrels that we've distilled that are aging. They're not ready yet. Um, so we sourced this from two very reputable uh, sources. But it's a blend of 5-year and 12-year-old bourbons. Okay. Um, and like I said, this just got bottled uh, two weeks ago now. Very nice. It almost kind of has like a caramel apple on the nose oh i can totally see that yeah caramel for sure i get a little of the apple i've always gotten a little bit of sort of a slight cocoa and also a little bit of cherry on there oh i get the cocoa now that you mention it 
So we actually did a uh, we did a podcast a f- about a month ago with our whiskey master distiller, a guy named Greg Snyder, mm-hmm. who's got 40-plus years of bourbon history. He's one of the foremost bourbon experts. He's worked in every aspect you can imagine in Kentucky and knows everybody in the business. So he's making our whiskeys for us. But we did a podcast with, if you're familiar... Uh, you're welcome, John and Zeke. Uh, Dad's drinking bourbon. Yes. They're based out of Nashville. Yes, so I've heard of them. We did a great uh, a great podcast with them where we, it was a two and a half hour podcast. He had to whittle down to 95 minutes. We were up to one in the morning with him talking bourbon That's and trying awesome. everything. Those are um, the best podcasts though. They are. And we were sipping whiskey all night and had a great time. Uh, but had a great time with them. And the bourbon has done really, really well in mm-hmm. Tennessee, in Kentucky, in the heart of whiskey country. Uh, and we're excited to get this one here we're about to try, our new Kentucky Straight, out mm-hmm. into the market. It's going to be sort of our, our workhorse. Oh, yum. I'm a bourbon girl. Bourbon's my number one, and that's... Cheers. Delicious. 90 proof. Because it's two different mash bills, or two different bourbons, uh, and they are different mash bills, I can't give you an exact mash bill on it, but it is high rye. Okay. And probably about 8, 9, 10% barley. Um, okay. Because it ended up being... Uh, uh, I forget exactly how many barrels, but it ends up being about 20% of the 12-year-old and 80% of the 5-year-old. Okay. Uh uh, but like I said, it is a, it's a high rye mash bill modeled after the old school style mash bills that the brand used back in the day when high rye was. And, Very and nice. Still use, there's still a lot of high rye out there today, mm-hmm. but uh, it's a traditional, you know, old pro- pre-prohibition mm-hmm. era style mash bill. This would make a really good old fashioned. Yes, indeed. Old fashioned and mint juleps are my two drinks. If that tells you anything about me. <laughs> yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that at all. I tell people, you know, I and Greg will tell you too, Greg or Master Distiller who I mentioned before. Drink bourbon how you want to drink it. Mm-hmm. A lot, there's a lot of people who claim to be experts or purists who say, oh, you can only drink it neat, or oh, you can't mix this with make a cocktail with it. To hell with that. Drink it how you want to drink yep. it. Uh, if you like it, that's fine. There's a reason why a lot of whiskeys out there that some of us might make fun of, they still sell a boatload of it yep. because there's still something for everybody. Yep. Everyone's palate is different. There's no right or wrong answer. Mm-hmm. If you like it, great. If you don't, great. Mm-hmm. So just enjoy it. I, for me personally, uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a... Bourbon with one or two ice cubes. Yep. Doesn't matter, you know, which bourbon it is. There's a handful of exceptions where I prefer one particular one. I might like neat mm-hmm. and one, or one with a heavier rocks pour, but that's typically how I like to drink them. You and my boyfriend, would, my current boyfriend, would get along very well. <laughs> let's distinguish between current, X number one, X number two, whoever got you mono back in the day. Let's, you know, break it up. Um, y'all y'all would get along very well. He, he has started doing bourbon or whiskey neat. I haven't gotten to neat yet. Old fashioned is about as close as I'll get. Well, you're sipping a neat right now. What do you well, think? It's very velvety. It's a good descriptor. I like mm-hmm. it. And I get enough of the rye that like I can pinpoint. Oh, it's got rye in it, but it's not. I ha- like I have a rye in my cabinet that it is like it punches you in the face. Rye. That rye spice that just mm-hmm. kicks. Yeah. But this is. I'm I'm a huge fan. Thank you. I'm really excited to uh, to get this one out there. So hopefully in the next couple of weeks I'll be able to start taking it out to, to show it to retail uh, stores and, and restaurants and bars. Perfect. All right, and now we have the beer barrel select, and this is the one that has the real pretty bottle. That's the gunshot. You saying my other bottle's ugly? No, it. This one's got the designs on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's like I said, a replica package. Yeah, that one. Um, they both are replica, but that one, it's uh, as you guys will see when she posts pictures, it's got this metal shot glass on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a metal jigger, I should say, designed for in the old days where you could have your one daily medicinal shot mm-hmm. uh, of whiskey a day. Uh, so yes. Southern cold remedy. Exactly. This is called our Beer Barrel Select. So uh, we released last fall a separate bourbon that was called our 10-year-old double barrel batch. 
So it was just 12 barrels of bourbon that we blended into six small batches. Well, after we'd bottled everything, we gave six of those empty barrels that had held our 10-year-old bourbon to the awesome guys at Goodwood Brewing up in Louisville, Kentucky. Yes. And they did a limited uh, aging of their walnut brown ale in those six barrels. Ooh. After they sold those, they gave us the barrels back. We put Kentucky bourbon back in them. Very nice. So it's barrels that held our bourbon, then held their beer, and then we put bourbon back in them. So it was a tiny batch that we did here of this beer barrel select, six barrels worth, uh, less than 2,000 bottles produced, uh, and it's a blend of uh, multiple bourbons. The youngest is about a year and a half. The oldest is not quite 12 years old, so multiple bourbons in there, and it's a totally unique expression on bourbon. It is technically bourbon, I tell people, but don't treat it like a normal bourbon because the beer barrel finish gives it a totally unique flavor profile that's unlike anything else you've ever tried. Uh, and when I first tried it, Greg told me, you know, it reminds me of a, a fine Irish whiskey, and I couldn't agree with Ooh, him more. okay. So I always preface it with that, and that, you know, if you look at it as a normal bourbon, it's going to be, it doesn't taste like a normal bourbon, but look at it as a unique expression of American whiskey, and it's, damn, that's good. Okay. I love the shot glass top. Ooh, I get, I get the nuttiness on the nose very easily. That walnut brown ale really comes through. Yep. And then... Uh, because there's a decent amount of malted barley in the mash bill, and of course you, you get that malted barley note in the beer, to me that's what really comes to the forefront, which mm -hmm. is why it reminds me of an Irish whiskey. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a good friend who's a big bourbon drinker, but also a big beer drinker, and uh, he picked up a bottle of this at a, at a liquor store back in Nashville and sent me a picture saying, hey man, I just saw this new one. I was like, dude, thanks for buying. Let me know what you think. It's a little funky, a little different because it's aged mm -hmm. in beer barrels. Half an hour later, he texts me, dude, this is my favorite one you've ever done. You know I love beer. This is right up my alley. So for a lot of guys who are beer drinkers and also like bourbon, it's right up their alley. Mm -hmm. And for people also who maybe typically are beer drinkers and are shifting into whiskey and other things, it's a great transitional whiskey. Mm -hmm. And there are people who like to try funky different one-offs. It's it's great. The guy, the great guys here at, uh, at Chattanooga Whiskey here do their native series where they mm -hmm. partnered with local breweries to age their whiskeys I in. loved that. And they've done so many different ones. And they did different breweries, different types of beer, etc. cetera. Uh, and it's gotten great feedback. Mm -hmm. So ours is similar to that. The difference is, of course, is we partner with just one brewery, and ours right. is Kentucky Bourbon versus Tennessee Whiskey. But we're also excited to say that we did just start working on a second batch of Beer Barrel Select, where we're also working with Goodwood again, and we're going to do a Beer Barrel Select Rye Whiskey. That'll Ooh. be probably six months to a year down the road. Uh, we're just starting to work on it. You know, Greg would be like, man, why'd you talk about that? Well, I'm like, well, you put it on Instagram, so it's out there, you know. <laughs> if it's on Instagram, it's legit. Exactly. It's forever, the internet. Yeah. So. I like this one a lot. We did a, a tasting at a store back in Nashville uh, when Greg was in town a month or so ago, and we had phenomenal feedback. Uh, mm -hmm. We sold 10 or 12 bottles, and it's an $80 retail. I mean, it's not a cheap oh, bottle wow. of bourbon. We sold 10 or 12 bottles that night at this one store. And then I found out a couple weeks later from the store owner that somebody came back in the next day and bought a whole case of it because uh, they loved it that much. And so they've been turning and burning through it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very limited. I mean, there's no more to be had. I don't have right. any more to sell. So what, what you see out there in the market is all there is. Mm -hmm. What is this, a seven fifty? Yep. Yep. I almost get a little bit of like maple syrup. Oh, I, I totally get that maple note too. That's that maple sweetness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to jump back, the, the first bourbon we tried, that, like I said, that's going to be our new mainstay workhorse. You're looking mm -hmm. at more like a $55 to $60 bottle, okay. which it's not cheap, but you look at some of the brands out there that are mm -hmm. huge movers at that price point, We, you know, that's the quality level that we believe we're at, and mm -hmm. I think people will see when they try it, uh, that we want to go after. And of course, the package speaks for itself. It's going to stand out on the yep. shelf, 
and it's delicious. So. Mm-hmm. I love both of those. Like I said, Thank I'm you. a I'm a bourbon girl, and man, I love both of those. The beer barrel select is a little bit smoother. It doesn't have quite the bite. I can see that. It's got a little more of that residual sugar to it yeah. from, the, from the beer as well. And the extra maturation in a, a different barrel. So that's one thing I'll say. For instance, uh, the first real whiskey that did this sort of thing that I can think of was a few years ago, uh, Jameson did what they called their cask mates. Mm-hmm. And they aged their Irish whiskey in uh, Guinness stout barrels. And it adds a... To me, I always got this sort of creamy texture. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you've got round mouth feels and you've got smoothness, but then a creaminess to it. Yeah. That kind of adds to that that smoothness on the mm-hmm. palate. That one's got a creaminess yeah. to it, too. And for whatever, just something with the beer uh, barrel aging does that. Yeah, I love that. I love anything barrel aged. Thank you. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered yet that you wanted to touch on before we move on? I mean, you tell me. What do you want to? What What else would you like to know? I think I think I've covered just about uh, about everything here. I, I wish I had some of our other past high end offerings, but we've sold out of them. Okay. We did a limited edition eight year old single barrel bourbon. That was our first real sort of re release of the Chickencock brand. Um, and uh, there's no more of that to be had. Uh, and we did a last holiday season a ten year old, as I mentioned before, the the. Uh, double barrel batch that's already all sold out mm-hmm. um and that was a 250 dollars retail oh wow which a lot of people are like are you serious but try the bourbon mm-hmm. if you can find it put it up against any other 250 dollars bourbon and tell me it's not just as good if not better right i also say does does anything that you are going to consume in one bottle is it worth that much no nothing is i've had bottles of wine that cost you know 500 dollars a bottle would mm-hmm. i would i legitimately want to pay for that no of course not but it's it's hype Yep. It's the, the, it's hype's part of it, but also the, the rarity of it, you mm-hmm. know, the exclusivity of, I got to try that bottle because yeah. there's only so much of it made. It's so limited. It's so hard to get, you know, you're paying for a lot of the, a lot of stuff there. You pay for a name and any number of things you buy. I'm more willing to spend money on something like a fine bottle of wine, a fine bottle of bourbon mm-hmm. than I would overpay for a car or a TV mm-hmm. because I'd rather have something that I can consume and appreciate that's unique that will make a, you know, make an impression on you that you can say, you know, I was honored enough to be able to try that i believe that uh it's like you know i'll be happy to i'd much rather spend a lot of money on an expensive dinner than i would you know on an expensive piece of furniture <laughs> I even <believe> though that. <laughs> even though you'll appreciate the furniture for longer you might have it for 10 years but still sits in your living room yep it wasn't an experience right which i think that's one of the things you can get out of the wine and spirits industry is mm-hmm. you get experiential things things that you tried that you'll never get to try again and that's what makes the business unique and makes the products unique mm-hmm. is so many different fun experiential things you can do and, and sharing it with people as well. I believe that. That's another key to it is, you know, you, you, you get a good bottle of wine, a good got, bottle of bourbon, a good bottle of vodka, and you, you hang out with some good friends mm-hmm. and you, you pop it open and you have great memories around something unique. Yep. It which, brings people together. Exactly. Like I, I, like I said a lot earlier, nobody gets mad at the booze guy. No. Nope. You know, you, when you're popping up in a good bottle of something, everybody likes you. So yep. it's, it makes it a lot more fun. I believe that. All right. Are you ready to move on? Sure. All right. Let's play with my jar. Oh, goodness. What is this? You didn't tell me about this. Okay. So if you are a faithful listener of the Nougabelle podcast, you know all about the jar. But for new listeners and new guests, this is my jar filled with colorful pieces of paper with fun questions and things for us to talk about on them. Oh, so, <laughs> so we'll each draw a couple, and we can we each answer whatever we draw. I hope this is at least a PG thirteen podcast because oh, yeah. I sell booze for a living. We we curse, so oh, sorry about that. Don't feel don't don't worry about it. Okay. okay, 
One movie or TV show you won't believe I've never seen. So is that, you're asking me that question? It's for both of us. Movie or TV show you won't believe I've never seen. Mine's The Office. It's funny, I've actually never watched that either, but I, I, I gotta come up with something different, I'm sure. So let me think here. Um, it, the Office is on my list of things that I need to watch because I've heard after a few episodes you're hooked. Yep. I just I have so many shows that I watch and so many movies that I'm addicted to. Ooh, actually, I have another one that you're you might hate me for. You're gonna say Game of Thrones. Yep, you? Game I of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> my pup was named after Arya Stark, so yeah, it's, I knew it. Um, I'm gonna go with like an '80s cult classic. I've never seen Sixteen Candles. I haven't either. And I've got I. Sorry, I, Molly Ringwald just annoys me. I don't think she's that great of an actress. And I've seen her in The Breakfast Club and other movies. I just that, that movie never did it for me. No, so I never wanted to watch it. Never will. There's a Fall Out Boy song named after that movie. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> All right, so the one I drew here. What's your favorite breakfast food? Ooh, breakfast food. If we're talking like breakfast during the week, like before I go to work, avocado toast. <laughs> Could you be any more millennial? <laughs> Oh, gosh, that's awesome. That's, well, hey, I love avocados and I love toast, but I, I've actually never had avocado toast. So so I actually, the way I make mine um, is inspired by Crema in okay. Nashville. Yep. Oh, so, yeah, I know Crema. Great, great coffee. I do mine with as thick a bread as I can find, avocado, goat cheese, and olive oil. See, I could do that if you also put on a couple slices of bacon and a fried egg. <laughs> I got I, I to gotta have that. I've seen that. So during the week, avocado toast, or lately I've been doing an Eggo waffle and chicken sausage. Ooh, yummy. Um, but on the weekend, if we're doing brunch, I love just a classic egg, starch, and meat plate. And waffles. And waffles. So you get <laughs> double starches. I like it. No, my, mine would be, mine's along the same lines there. I love good scrambled eggs that also have tossed in there. Maybe some sauteed mushrooms, a little bit of garlic. A roasted potato and meat. So, for instance, uh, let's say I cook, you know, a good steak one night with some roasted rosemary and basil, red mm -hmm. tomato, red potatoes, um, and then I've got leftovers: some sliced up leftover steak, the potatoes that have been cooked in olive oil and garlic and rosemary and basil. Mm -hmm. So, first off, I'll I'll cook up some bacon in the skillet, leave the bacon grease in there, mm -hmm. and then I'll heat up in there the leftover steak, mm -hmm. the leftover potatoes, and then add the egg and some sautéed mushrooms. That it's just it's just a pile of egg, meat, starch, bacon, goodness. Love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, sometimes with a Bloody Mary. That's usually what I, how I kick off football season. Very nice. I promise you that on, on week one of the NFL season, I will be in front of uh, in my bonus room in front of my TV with a plate of eggs with all that stuff in it with bacon, meat, potatoes, and a Dixie citrus and black pepper Bloody Mary. Ooh, citrus and black pepper. I combine the two. That way it's Very a nice, nice little balance. Very nice. Um, so are you, are you a Titans fan, I would assume? Yep, yep. Grew up a Titans fan. Uh, and then uh, number two team would be the Broncos since I work for them, of mm -hmm. course. But uh, yeah, I won't miss my Titans. I won't miss a game, so. So I'm a Houston Texans fan. Oh, I gotta leave. I can't. I'm sorry. I'm done. <laughs> We're done. Bye. Goodbye. No, just kidding. Um, How are you a Texans fan? So uh, before I went to Virginia Tech, okay. I grew up in a family of UNC Tar Heels. The one and only T.J. Yates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The lovely uh, second and third string quarterback who had some amazingly fun uh, games where he uh, he, won some, he won some good ones and he blundered at some good ones. Yep, but uh, also that was his, his NFL career was mostly there. That's right. Yep. Um, he was the quarterback at UNC in his college days. And I followed him to the NFL. He was drafted by the Texans. 
He took over after Matt Schaub got hurt. Not a Matt Schaub fan. Um, oh, well, he went to UVA, so it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Yep. Fun fact, the last time UVA beat Virginia Tech was when Matt Schaub was a quarterback at UVA. Yeah. So I became a Texans fan when TGH did, did that, and then they drafted J.J. Watt. Yeah, right, so, you know. So then I was a J.J. Watt fan, and then I... Just because he's J.J. Watt? He's J.J. Watt. Yeah. Um, I hated Deshaun Watson and um, receiver. I don't know... DeAndre what, Hopkins? Yes. I don't know why, I'm, why I was blanking on that, but I hated Deshaun Watson and... DeAndre. Yeah, him, yeah. because they played for Clemson. And they always destroyed VT during well, the they season. they are pretty darn good. They, yeah. And then the Texans drafted them, and now I love them. Right. So I'm like, you know what? Yeah, DeAndre might be, he's up there as one of the top three, four wide receivers in the league. Deshaun has a chance to be great if he can stay healthy and that, off- mm-hmm. that offensive line's got some problems. This is turning into a football podcast, but um, <laughs> I could talk that. I could talk football till midnight. Um, oh, I could too. But uh, I, I won't hold it against you too much. I'll put it that way. At least I'm not a Patriots fan. That's true, and thankfully we spanked them last year. So the so the teams that I hate in order in <laughs> ranking, and I can't visualize this on a podcast, but you're sitting across from me, so I can. Duke is up here. Kentucky is like right here. The Patriots are like here, and then UVA is like here. Everyone else is below UVA. Gotcha. I'm not going to rank mine because this podcast will get booze all over the state. So I'm going to I'm just not, I'm going to shut up right now. So let's just say <laughs> I like the Titans, and I just I went to Vanderbilt, so I don't really have a football team to cheer for. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, when they're when they're okay, they're okay, and I'll be happy with it. Beyond that, uh, I'm I'm an NFL guy first and foremost. Yeah. So Titans, Broncos. Beyond that, sadly, because my family's from Cincinnati, Bengals, and then everybody G- else. Giovanni Bernard. There you go. Gio. Yeah, Gio. My boyfriend went to Auburn. And when I told him I'd never been to an SEC game, he, like, freaked out. I was like, ACC family. Yeah, yeah but it doesn't, doesn't compare to SEC tailgating. No, I know it doesn't. And that's me as a Vanderbilt guy. Tailgating <laughs> at Vanderbilt sucks. But I had a best buddy who went to Ole Miss. And you go sense. down to the Grove, and nothing measures up to tailgating I've the Grove. Heard. Oh, I've it's heard. legendary. Legendary. Um, he keeps saying we're going to go to an SEC game this year, but our schedules just aren't matching up right yet. So we're figuring it out. But I have a bunch of friends who went to UGA. All I know is that we uh, we launched, uh, we being Dixie Vodka, Grand and Barrel, we launched Mississippi as a market earlier this year. And I told my boss, just you wait till football season. Because he went to Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so he's a big gator. And I just said, just you wait until we go down to Oxford uh, come football season to sell some Dixie and go to some college football games. And we'll sell some Dixie in the Grove. And uh, you'll see what tailgating is all about because it's oh, it's yeah. next level. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to go down there uh, in the next month or so. Hopefully, if I can get him to, to, to come on yeah. up, and we'll uh, we'll do some good uh, good vodka selling and tailgating and mm-hmm. watch some good football. I've got a few people who work uh, with me. A couple, actually, just one Florida grad, and then a couple of just Tennessee Vols fans. And then we used to have another Florida grad and an Alabama grad. Um, and oh, Alabama football, that's a thing. Well, hang on, before you badmouth them, I'll give a shout out to our new colleague, Lauren, who lives down in uh, Birmingham. She went to Alabama, works for us, and covers Alabama for Grain and Barrel. So we can't badmouth too bad. Uh, I'll give her crap because, you know, her college team is the Patriots of college football. But, uh, but I can't, I can't badmouth her too bad. So here's the thing about Alabama. There are two, Al- two kinds of Alabama fans. There are those who actually <laughs> went to Alabama and those... Who just yell, roll time! At everything. Exactly. Yeah. Same with, go big orange! 
Oh yeah, that too. I won't even um, go there. Yeah, oh my gosh. Anyway, football, let's move on. Perfect. All right, I'm gonna go with this blue one here. I'm gonna go pink. Oh my. Oh, this will be fun. What's one of your end of the year goals? End of year goals? Oh boy, I don't know. And I'm reading my bre my favorite breakfast spot in Chattanooga is. Well, I don't live here, so I couldn't. I can't really answer. Okay, that. you can draw another uh, one. I'll draw another one. Yeah. My uh, one of my end of the year goals is to launch my email list for my blog and podcast. There you go. I like it. End of year goals. Oh gosh. I could be totally uh, a total tool for work and say, I want to hit all my sales goals, but no one's going to care about that, <laughs> um, which I do. If you're, Kevin, if you're listening, I'm, I'm going to hit those goals. But uh, I want to not feel a year older. <laughs> Birthday's next week, so I don't want to think about that. But uh, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm so just consumed in work and everything too much. I don't, it's it. I feel that. That's tough. That's kind of a cop-out, but, you know, I, I'm blanking. It's been a long day of work. Yeah, um, I, I feel that. Also, uh, the one the card that I drew was, what's your favorite Disney movie? Are we going old school Disney, or are we going, like, modern Disney that Whatever includes Dis Marvel? I mean, but Disney owns Marvel, and Disney owns... Whatever Disney you want. I'm a 90s baby, so I'm going classic, like, animated original, or animated original okay. whatevers. I cannot pick a favorite between these two. So my two favorites are Aladdin and the Aristocats. <laughs> I like them. I I had so I'm a, I'm a mid '80s baby, so I got to literally look up Disney movies because I'm blanking on which ones I want to have qualify and which <laughs> ones don't. So let me take a pause while I Google here. I watch way too many movies, and I can't remember which ones are done by Disney, which ones aren't. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm going back to classic. First off, I don't want to watch any of these new ones. I don't want to see the Jungle Book done in real life. I don't want to see Aladdin. I don't want to see Beauty and the Beast. I don't want to see The Lion King. Don't kill my dreams, Disney. Stop making these remakes. Jeez. Oh, we, I could Killing do a me. whole podcast Killing just me. on that. Does Does Pixar count? Because if I'm yes. going like Disney Pixar, then I might go like you know Finding Nemo. That's that's as a classic. Cause I could mm -hmm. I watched it as an adult and liked it. You know. So I was in middle school when Finding Nemo came out. God, I feel old. <laughs> How old are you again? Uh, 27. All right, so you're just you're seven years. I'm about to be 34, so. Okay, I'll be 28 in November. All right, so let me see here. Lion King, no. Maleficent, no. Frozen, no. See, like, see, now I can include Star Wars in that, which is not fair. No. That that, that doesn't count. Sleeping Beauty, no, no, no. The last. None of the Marvel ones ever should count, ever. They, they're not, they're not Disney movies. I don't care oh, if they Oh, man, Marvel. Don't even get me started. Um, the last. Disney remake I saw was Beauty and the Beast with Emma Watson. Speaking of Hermione Granger. Um, <laughs> I didn't see it. My wife said it was it was pretty good. But. I liked it. It wasn't like tearjerker, absolutely obsessed with it. I watched it because it was on Netflix and I needed something new to watch. Fair enough. I have not seen Cinderella. I've not seen Maleficent. I've not seen Aladdin, The Lion King. My parents have seen all of them because they're retired and they live in a small town where the theater's cheap. I have seen Aladdin on Broadway in New York and I bawled like a baby. <laughs> like, A Whole New World is my song. And as soon as they did the scene with Aladdin and Jasmine in the flying carpet, I was you just, just lost it. I was weeping. And my parents took me and, like, my best friend from college, because this was when we were still living in Pennsylvania, and my friend from college lived in D.C., so she went up with us. 
And I was just weeping when they did A Whole New World. And they all looked at me and they're like, Kate, get your shit What is together. wrong with you? <laughs> so as I'm scrolling through and having to keep loading all the animated classics of, of Disney on, on my phone here. If I had to pick a classic... I might have to go like Fantasia because that was just such a mm-hmm. that had everything in it, yeah. right? That was huge. Although, uh, and this is gonna sound might be a little eerie, uh, Bambi because as much as I, I love deer hunting, but also Bambi, there's this impression that Bambi's like this weak little dude. He turns into a kind of a badass buck. Yep, it's a weird name for a for a boy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't think of Bambi as Bambi as a boy. He, yep. he turns into a badass buck. So that's another one too. But somewhere between either Fantasia or uh, what did I say before? Finding Nemo. Because you can, you can put on Finding Nemo today, and I will watch that and appreciate it. Because yep. so many of these newer Pixar ones have enough adult comedy, like subtle things that kids won't pick up, but that adults will laugh at, yep. you know? And I can appreciate that more. Because when I was a kid growing up and watching movies, I didn't watch a lot of these. I was the kid who wanted to watch Jaws and James Bond and, yep. and Jurassic Park. I mean, Jurassic Park, the original, is still one of my favorite movies of all time, and I was all of... Seven or eight years old when it came out. I just saw the original Jurassic Park last year what for the wrong, first time. What is wrong with you? Goodness gracious. Come on now. You can do better than that. <laughs> and what'd you think? I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. And then I tried to read the book on a flight from Charlotte to London. It's a long flight. The book's longer than that, though. I made it about... 10 chapters in and was like, you know what? I don't think this is for me. It starts off slow. It gets better. The book is fantastic. That's what people say about Parks and Rec. Another one that I get, I started watching. I watched most of the first season and I haven't gone back to it. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I need, I need something more to grab me. So that's the first season. Okay. I try, I started it again with an ex-boyfriend and he told me start in season two because season one sucks. And then I got through season two and I was like, you know what? I still can't do it. And then aforementioned best friend who went to UGA was like, just give it a chance. Try it. So I started it from season one. I just started season seven. And I will say season three is when it gets good. Well, I'll keep plugging away at it then. But now that I'm like in and I'm invested, it's it's good. You got to give it time. Good tip. I'll jump back in it. But... Yeah, anyway, all that to say, Bambi and Finding Nemo. Yeah, probably so. Okay, let's do one more each. All right. We've got one color of each. All right, I'm going to go pink. That's that pink one I already grabbed, so go something different. Okay. I'm going to grab this one. I'll go Tennessee orange. Never have I ever. (laughs) Never have I ever been to Iceland. That, that actually plays very well into my, my card is uh, one country I'd love to visit. Oh, perfect. Uh, but I, I won't double that up. Um, hmm. Never have I ever consumed a Moscato or Riesling by choice. <laughs> I've had the sample for work. I've had to try this or that. I know it's sweet. I know it sells well. It's just not for me, and I don't ever want to have one ever again. It's just not my thing. I remember when I, I didn't drink, I didn't touch alcohol until I turned 21. And then you had White Zen or Moscato or, you know. Those were some of the first things I bought and I drank Riesling for like a year. And then I had my first like Pinot Grigio and I was like, why have I been like destroying my body with Riesling? With all this sugar. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes me think back to 
when I was first dating my now wife, uh, we had talked a little bit and had some dinner. She knew I was into wine. And I eventually asked her if she was into wine. And she's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. She's like, yeah, like Moscato. I was like, typical college girl answer. Thank you. you yep. know? <laughs> uh, and thankfully now she won't sniff the stuff. And she actually has a, a fantastic palate and only likes to drink really expensive red wine. So I'm like, why can't it be easier on my wallet? But uh, <laughs> thankfully she doesn't like bourbon. So I she doesn't I don't worry about her getting into my good bourbon collection. That's, that's uh, good. And I can ply her with all the Dixie vodka she wants. That's so nice. That, that's fine. Uh so then back to my card, one country I'd love to visit. And I've got one at the top of my list, New Zealand. I want to go to New Zealand desperately. They have good wine, don't they? They do have good wine. Yep. But also the geography and topography, not to sound cheesy, but they've got everything from snow-capped mountains to darn near rainforest to great snorkeling. Lord of the Rings was filmed there. Mm-hmm. So everything you've seen in that, you can see all of that in one, one country. Mm-hmm. It's a long-ass way to get there. But it's gorgeous, and people that I know that have gone there absolutely love it. People mm-hmm. are friendly. Uh, and, yeah, good good wine, good food, gorgeous scenery. New Zealand is absolutely at the top of my list. I've heard the same things. Um, my country at the top of my list is, well, I've already, I've been to Vienna. I want to go back to Austria and do Salzburg. Nice. Because Sound of Music. Oh, makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's my favorite movie in the entire world, even outranking Aladdin and the Aristocats. <laughs> And I want to go and just waltz around Salzburg and sing all the Sound of Music songs and make everyone roll their eyes and say, oh my God, what an American. Have you ever seen, uh, there's, there's a guy on YouTube, I think his call signs Q Park, uh, and he does these funny videos where, you know, when a song becomes you and he's got earplugs in mm-hmm. and he, he starts off with him singing and the music and then it cuts to him, you know, actually singing out loud and everybody looking at him all crazy. That's that, me. that would be you. Yeah, That's that me. That would be you. That's me. Oh, man. If that's right, Q Park, shout out to you. Your videos are hilarious, dude. Yes. Um, so, New Zealand and Salzburg. I also, I'm, I'm really fascinated by Scandinavia. Scandinavia, I've heard, is beautiful as well. Uh, I don't know anything about food and culture and wine, but if for me, it's all about, like, I, if I know I'm going to eat or drink well, right? right? My favorite country that I have been to, that I want to go back to a lot, is Italy. Because I yes. could eat and drink my way through the whole place. Mm-hmm. And I have on multiple, a couple different occasions and absolutely love it. But if I'm going to go somewhere new, yeah, it's, I don't know what New Zealanders eat. I don't know if they have any unique cuisine, but they've got great wine. So mm-hmm. and I'm sure they've got great seafood. So Yeah. I had a friend who did a gap year between her undergrad and her grad school, and she spent it split between Australia and New Zealand. Ooh, jealous. And from what I remember, the thing she was posting when she was in New Zealand. Spot on. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. All right. We are going to wrap up there. Um, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to hit on before we go off air? Hey, you tell me. What What else can I can I fill you in on? Uh, I think liquor-wise, we hit on everything that I wanted to hit on. Uh, where can we follow Dixie Vodka and everything on the internet so everyone can learn more and follow along? Absolutely. So uh, across the board, whether you're talking uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, it's at Dixie Vodka uh, and then Chicken Cock Whiskey. Uh, awesome. But uh, we've got a, a great social media team doing all kinds of cool stuff with Dixie. Uh, lots of fun posts uh, and posting about events we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then uh, from there, you can go to the website, of course, DixieVodka.com. We've got great links to all of our recipes, you know, bottle pictures, et cetera. You can contact us from there, find out where you can locally, you know, buy your Dixie Vodka. Uh, and I'll tell you, you know, we're only in nine states right now, but, uh, you know, we're, we're constantly expanding. We're getting ready to launch, it uh, looks like, probably Louisiana and Indiana. 
Um, you know, currently we're in, let's see if I can get all these straight correctly. Of course, South Carolina, our home state, North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, and Colorado. Uh, and then moving forward, we'll keep adding to that and, and be more and more available. You can order stuff online at DixieVodka.com uh, if you're in a state that allows shipping to you directly. Uh, but you can order stuff online. But, you know, if you're interested and want to try it, you know, go to your local liquor store, see if they have it. A lot of the ones here in Tennessee that already carry it have got taster bottles on hand so you can sample stuff. Uh, if they don't carry it, you know, do me a favor and make me look good to my boss and ask for it and see if they'll bring it in. Uh, feel free to, uh, to to reach out to us online, uh, especially if you're in Tennessee. Those emails will come to me, uh, and I'll be happy to chat with you, meet with you, show you the products, uh, and see if uh, you have a new favorite vodka or whiskey. Awesome. That sounds great. Terrific. Yeah. Thanks so much, Adam, Thank for you, joining me for this lovely episode of the Nuga Bell podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, I would very much appreciate if you liked, shared, commented, rated, or reviewed on whichever platform you listen on. This has been another episode of the Nuga Bell podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening, and I'll catch y'all on the next one.